breath going and the heart rate going, especially when you're playing the guitar like that. Okay, brethren, at this time, we're blessed to have our second message for today, our sermon, brought to us by our pastor, Steve Andrews, entitled, The Sin of Idolatry, Daniel Part 2. Last week, we had some very brave and very courageous young individuals, young adults, young teenagers that braved the heat and different things that we had in, in Wagner. And I was, I was about overwhelmed. I think the older people were overwhelmed. But I was so very much pleased when Ian came. There were some things passed out to all the young people. They were all lined up and had tables and he says, write questions, ask questions. And boy, <laughs> were they some tough questions. I remember a couple of times Ian was looking at it and I think he would he would have liked to have scratched his head on a couple of them because they were very profound and very deep questions. Young people have questions in this day and age. And it's a and I, I can understand that. And sometimes to be prepared for those, to answer those questions, to be able to be able to answer those questions is, is, quite, is quite enlightening. And uh, I think Ian did a very good job. And I think that there are young people very much gained a great deal from that camaraderie and the little and the time that they had there. In Daniel part one, just as a review, because I thought uh, since there's some of you that, that weren't here when I did it, we we looked at Daniel and and his friends who actually were captives. <laughs> as we understand that. And they were, they were captives in Babylon. They were Babylonian captives. And Daniel made the decision not to eat of the king's fare, eating nothing but water and vegetables. And he thrived because God blessed him. And then we find out that Nebuchadnezzar then has this dream and nobody can answer it. Nebuchadnezzar's about ready to have them all thrown into the fiery pit or someplace and kill them all because they can't answer his, his dream. And Daniel comes forth and answers that dream. In chapter 3, we look at this individual. In fact, 3 and 4, we look at this individual by the name of Nebuchadnezzar and how he ruled and, and his thinking. And one of the things we're going to look at is idolatry. So we're, what I want to ask first is, where is the first time, and I call it the sin, because it is, of idolatry is found in the Bible. And if you're going to say anything, you're going to have to... Speak it up a little bit so I can hear. Where is it found? Where's the first time that idolatry is found in the Bible? Who were the first idolaters? Anybody know? Absolutely. Adam and Eve. Let's go there. Let's, let's go there. Let's see what happened. You know, this was a perfect beautiful place to live in Genesis. God had set this wonderful garden and put them in it. Chapter 2, just a couple of verses. Lord God planted a garden eastward and 
Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow, uh, 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 to grow every tree that was planted, uh, pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life and also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, man was put in the garden. There were a couple of trees there. Beautiful garden, beautiful place to live. Uh, they didn't have any, uh, they didn't need any clothes. The weather was perfect. Everything was just uh, hunky-dory where they were. And in verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. So, very simple commandment. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Very simple. So what happens to our young couple? Because God creates Eve, and, and they're there, and they're enjoying this beautiful garden together, a married couple in the privacy of their great big bedroom. <laughs> And what happens? Now, now, wait. <clears throat> I, I want to do one thing. I want to set the groundwork, because I had it first in my heart and in my thoughts, to read something before we go to Genesis, the third chapter, and that's Exodus, the 20th chapter. Everybody is very familiar with Exodus, the 20th chapter, but before we actually go into Genesis, the third chapter, I want our minds to think about these words that God actually told the Israelites. He says in verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a, a, to you any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation and to, of them that hate me, and showing mercy to thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And he says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. So, I am sure Along with that commandment, they understood their creator was the only God. I'm sure that he explained that to them. Along with the fact that they were living in this garden, that he had created them, and they, they had a great and tremendous future ahead. But what happens? What happens? A being comes in, and all of a sudden now, they believe this being. And it comes in as what? A serpent. A slimy, well, maybe not. Maybe it was beautiful. Who knows? We weren't in the garden. We don't have any idea what this, this being looked like. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field with the Lord, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. We're, hey, we're, we're okay with eating of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But then she says, But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, God didn't say you could touch it, but obviously... Stay away from the tree, because you're not supposed to eat this thing. And the serpent said to the woman, mm, Yeah, you, you shall not surely die, for God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So lies and all kinds of things from this being were being perpetrated and the first sin was to believe. 
It was an idolatrous sin to believe this serpent over God. To believe what it said over what God said. To take on your own righteousness and ignore the righteousness and the glory and the power of the God that created you. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And we know the rest of the story. God found them. They were covered up. They were ashamed. God kicked them out of the garden. The first instance of idolatry, the sin of idolatry. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through the different scriptures on it because I want to go to Daniel because I think in every way this points to some of the things that we are battling in our own lives in a society in which idolatry is a is almost a, a daily thing we have to, to battle. I like this from, from Paul. There has no t- temptation. That means uh, uh, testing, just things that are coming at you, taking you. But as such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with, a, with that temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So remember that, brethren. If you're going through some physical trials or whatever, remember that God is going to make a path for you to get out of or, or any kind of trials and tribulation that you're going through. There will be a path. If you, if you stay close to God and pray that he will help you through that. And then, then Paul as this very interesting statement. Wherefore, my, de- uh, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. The temptations are out there, but one of the things you want to flee from is idolatry. And we live in an idolatrous world, and everywhere it is manifest. It's hard to escape it sometimes. Go in, shut the door, and you and don't even turn on the TV. As you might find a lot of idolatry. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Everybody's very familiar with every one of these scriptures that I'm reading. But I'm, I'm building up to Daniel, the third chapter. Galatians, the, the, uh, the fifth chapter. And, and, Everybody is so familiar. The works of the flesh, beginning in verse 19. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, and I've also told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So those are things we want to avoid. And we're talking about idolatry today. In Colossians, the third chapter, we're going to see something here that's kind of interesting. How, how Paul ties something in and almost makes... All sin, idolatry. In verse, beginning of verse 5 of Colossians 3, verse 5, it reads, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Well, isn't that the tenth commandment? Thou shalt not covet 
wives, other things, coveting those things. Isn't it interesting that covetousness is idolatry? For which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. So here we've laid the groundwork that is idolatry. And in this, we go now to Babylon. The great, <laughs> the great idolatrous place. No telling how many idols and how many different gods they worshipped. And God was going to make a statement to this first world leader, this first king, this first power ruler over all of the kingdom. Probably wasn't very big in comparison to the land masses today. But he was the only world ruler, wasn't he? He was the world ruler. So Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. By the way, um, I was going to read this. Well, I'm not going to read that, I guess. Anyway, <clears throat> that first head was of gold. And he was the first kingdom. And so, he makes the image all out of gold. And I don't know whether it's all solid gold. because, uh, Or it could have been because it was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set up the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Well, I did calculate it. I don't know if uh, it's correct, but 60 cubits is 90 feet. That's quite a, quite a, quite a statue. So, and I wrote some notes down as I was thinking about this. I was sitting, listening to Ian and, and all the questions that were coming about, and I was also thinking about some of the different things that were, were thinking about Nebuchadnezzar. King makes an image. King is a supreme ruler. Has thing made, so he legislates. Makes decree. Judges. And um, he makes uh, this judgment uh, uh, and, and with penalties. And then he has it set and, and rules. So he executes his, his, um, his decree. So here we, here we are. Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together, together, together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, so um, he gathers everybody together, and then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the province were gathered together to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So we have this tremendous gathering to come and worship this big image. <laughs> then Harold cried aloud, It is commanded to the people, the nations and lands, that at the time that you hear the sound of the coronet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, on and on and on, any kind of music, you will fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falls not down to worship shall be that same hour be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So we now have it all set up. We have decrees. We have judgments. And now we have penalties. Uh, we were, we're doing pretty good here. We're We've got it all set up now. We're going to have everybody bowing down whenever they hear something making a noise. And so once again, we, we go through this. And all the people, make sure that everybody knows that any time you hear any of these instruments played, you are to fall down and you are to worship the golden image. Boy, this is idolatry in, its, in spades. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, 
O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Whoso falls not down and worship that, he shall be cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. There were certain Jews who have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. And for our young people, because these probably were still young in that province, maybe in their early 20s, who knows, where, where they stood. But they were living as captives in Babylon. These young Jews who had been brought from their home were now captives in this society. And when it comes to the time when you have to make a decision to either obey man or obey God, it can be very serious. You can receive a fine, $100 fine for not doing what man says. We should obey the government to the best of our ability, but when it comes to being against what God preaches, what God teaches us in his Bible, sometimes we have to make a decision to stand up. And these young men knew and understood the penalty that they were now facing their very life. If God didn't intervene, they were, going to, they were going to die. They had received a great position in the kingdom. And here now, they are being accused of not falling down and worshiping at the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not, do not you serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Whenever we go before judges, and I've, I've seen one not very happy with. Whenever we go before judges, we, if we're filled with God's word, God will give us the, the words that we need and the opportunity to witness at that particular time. If we have to put our life on the line or give up um, whatever it takes to, to, to worship God, to keep God's commandments, to, to do what God has told us, He will give us the words that we need to speak out, just like He did these young men. They were determined. They were not going to give in. He says, Now, if you be ready that what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, sat harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I have the power over you. You've heard it before. I am strong. I have that power over you. I am a judge. I'm going to put you in jail forever. Well, <laughs> that. They weren't smart about it. They just, they just stood up for what was right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. Um, you know, we're not, we don't care to answer you to this matter. We're going to answer you to this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, 
that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image you which you have set up. There may come a time in all of our lives when we may have to face that, that contingency in our life. It, is so, it would become so egregious. I mean, we are already seeing people who, be, who believe that they shouldn't be doing certain things, like making cakes for various um, you know, people. And they're putting their very livelihood on the line. Their, their very livelihood. Photographers who won't do certain weddings. Uh, in God's eyes, are very illegal, very abominable in his eyes. And they understand that, and they, they have convictions, and they're staying by it. But they're also receiving a tremendous amount of, of problems from the governments that are out there, just like these young men. They're standing up for what they understand is the truth. They're standing up and not bowing down. And they're depending that God will either save them or he, he will honor them in their death because they, they died not bowing down. To this idol. So. He says if it be so. Our God whom we serve. Is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand O king. But if not. Be it known to you O king. That we will not serve your gods. Nor worship the golden image. Which you set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And the form of his visage. Was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than want to be heated. I don't know how you heat a furnace seven times more than what it was, but I guess, <laughs> I guess maybe it must have been possible because <laughs> that's what he commanded. And I'm sure those servants were out there doing whatever... You know, how do we heat this? Oh, yeah, that bellows. We'll just keep pulling more coal in it. Bellows were going, and so he was just really livid, red-faced and livid. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind. Oh, boy. Here we got three little boys, maybe, a little, you know, young men, um, three Jews. And we're going to take the mightiest of these men, and we're going to go out and we're going to bind them up, and then we're going to cast them into the fiery furnace. Well, so these three, these, these men were bound in their, their coats, their, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Sometimes the judgment comes, and it's not, it's not what you expect, isn't it? And sometimes the judgment comes that you might have to to suffer the penalty because it was so egregious that there was no other way. You've stood up, you've made the decision, now you are going to have to, to, to face the penalty. In this, this instance, uh, it was either God was going to save them or they were going to die, and they, they were willing to do it. They were willing to, to stand up to this king, to this, this power-hungry king who, who had made this giant, huge image. So, therefore, because the king commanded was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and says to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he says, Lo, I, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form is the fourth is like the Son of God. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
You servants of the Most High God, come forth and come here. And so they came forth in the midst of the fire. And God did this, God did this powerful thing to this first world ruler to get through to him. And also for us to understand that we sometimes have to stand up for our beliefs. We have to stand up for what we believe. We have to stand up. And sometimes we have to face the penalty of what might come about because of our beliefs. And we know a lot of, uh, there are people out there that are going through different trials because they refuse to bow to the idolatry that this society wants them to bow to. As I said, even this, even adultery, uh, adultery, and uh, all of the other um, sins that go underneath that, such as incest and, and uh, uh, homosexuality and sodomy and all of that, all of those things are things that we know that God abhors, and we have to sometimes stand up to it. How are we going to be able to, to do that if one day they pass laws that make it illegal to say anything against certain things in this society? I'm not sure. I'm not positive but I do know that I'm not going to give up God's way. I'm not going to give up this truth. I'm not going to fold just because somebody says you have to do this. And we hope that God will give us wisdom to get through those certain trials. And I'm hoping that for my grandchildren and our children's sake, that, you will, that God will strengthen you. And I mean literally strengthen you. So that you're, you will, when you stand up for what's right, you will impress, as Daniel and these did, to any leader that comes up to you. And you will impress them because God is with you and is backing you in everything that you do. The princes and the governors and the captains and king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whom the bodies of the fire had no power, nor was hair on their heads singed, neither were they, their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. The Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel and delivered his servants and trusted in in him and has changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. The change the, because they were willing and God was able. They were willing and God was able to change the course temporarily. I say that temporarily. Of this man's mind. He says, Therefore I make a decree that every, every people, nation, and language which, which speak anything amiss against this, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall cut, be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made to dunghill because there is no God that can deliver after this sort. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Uh, sometimes we come out of a trial and we're not necessarily promoted, but we do know that God is blessing us. We do know that we have a place in the kingdom. Now, in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a revelation. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's extremely, I, I love this chapter because I think it's extremely fitting for, for this king. And he's a very arrogant king and he needs, he needs some help. He needs a lot of help. And God's going to give him some help. And he's going to make it plain, who is God? You see, 
The problem is people don't know who God is. They don't, they don't understand that we are created beings. They, they think that, that, that we came from pond scum and so that we have evolved into this great, wonderful uh, thing and we, we walk around and we're so, uh, you know, we're all evolved. They don't understand that God is created and has a creation. And so Nebuchadnezzar needs a wake-up call. Just like America needs a wake-up call. We need a, like, like Kim was saying, we need, we need a revival in America. But the bad part about it is, the last time we had kind of a revival, it was a, it was a nightmare. It was called 9-11. And I mean, it shook, I, I, I don't know how, how many of you got shook. I did. I, I kept thinking, is this it? <laughs> Are we going down and this is it? I kept shaking and I thought, wait a minute. God's in charge. I don't have to worry. He's in charge no matter what. God's in charge. He's going to take care of us and things will work out. Well, surely it did. But we have short fuses. We have short minds. We have short thinking. We, we just go back and, and go right on. And, and we'll just make it right. and We, we won't worry about it. And, and so the nation just continues on. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Wow. He, he's, he reaches out. I thought it was good to show the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought towards me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. Now this is all Nebuchadnezzar's writing. And this is, his, this is what he has written. He says, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed, and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I made a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me, that I might be made known the interpretation of the dream. Then came the magicians, the astrologers. You know, see, he never got rid of all the other guys, you know. <laughs> he kept all the magicians and the astrologers and all these other uh, goofy guys. <laughs> and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. And I told the dream before them, but they, they didn't make known to me the interpretation there. But... At last, Daniel came before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, or Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Daniel really enjoyed having a name like that. Please, Nebuchadnezzar, don't call me that. My name is Daniel. Anyway. He said, um, according to the name of my God, and whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and before whom I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, the holy gods is in you, and no secret troubles you, tell me the visions of my dream, and I have seen in the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of my head and my bed. I saw and behold a tree, in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached to the heavens, and the sight thereof was the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was a meat for all. The beets of the, fe uh, the field had sha uh, shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwell in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. And he cried aloud and said, Hew down this tree, cut off its branches, shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it, and the fowls from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of the roots in the earth, even with the band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let its portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from a man's, and let a beast's heart be given to him, 
and let seven times pass over him. This matter, by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of heaven and gives it to whomever he will and sets upon, uh, sets up over it the basis of men. And did you read that sentence very well? Did you read what it said? <laughs> the matter is by decree of the watchers. Who were the watchers? And the demand by the word of the holy ones. To the intent that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives to whosoever he will and sets up over the basis of men. Kind of an interesting statement in the midst of Nebuchadnezzar's writings. So this dream I, I King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation there, for as much as all the wise men in my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour. His thoughts troubled him. The king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate you, and the interpretation thereof to your enemies. Well, that's, that's kind of interesting. I think Daniel might have gotten to where he liked Nebuchadnezzar a little bit. <laughs> Even though this guy was pretty, pretty brutal and, and he hadn't changed much, but I think Daniel might have liked him a little bit. He said, The tree that you saw grew and was strong as height reached to the heaven and sight thereof, and all earth, its leaves were fair and the fruit thereof much, and it was meat for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had made habitation. It is you, O king, that are grown and become strong, for your greatness is grown, and the riches of the reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. Whereas the king saw the watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven, he says, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with the band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of the heaven, and let the portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over it. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most Holy One, Most High which has come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat the grass as oxen, and they shall wet you with the dew of the heaven, and seven times shall pass over to you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives to whomever he will. I think every leader should read this book, and this chapter. And understand who rules in the world and in the heavens and has the power. Whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, your kingdom shall be sure to you after that you have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let your counsel be acceptable to you and break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be lengthening of your tranquility. So Daniel does right. He comes and he says, repent. Please, Nebuchadnezzar, repent. <laughs> repent of your sins. And change. He says, all of this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spoke and said, Is not this the great Babylon? And I have built it for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. And while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make you to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he will. 
The only thing I can understand about this is that God took the spirit of man out of Nebuchadnezzar and made him like a beast. That same hour, fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, did eat grass as the oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven. Those words are the most profound words in the Bible. As the, this world-ruling emperor, this world-ruling king, actually says the very things that any man who rules should understand. Let me read it again. As Nebuchadnezzar came out of this, whatever it was, and however he was living, and, and as, a, as, a, as a beast of the field, and his mind came back, he says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and the understanding returned. I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him, honored him that lives forever, whom dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And he says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none stay his hand or say to him, what do you do? Why are you doing this? No one, no one can stand against the Most High or against Jesus Christ who will come back take over this world. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned to me, and my counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, whose works are truth, his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. I know that that is written, brethren, for our admonition, for us to understand who rules, who has the real power. We have to live in our government, I know. And, and I know that um, we all worry a little bit, but in, in reality, with God is, who dwells in us, Jesus Christ and God the Father who dwell in us, if we are willing and we, we want, to praise and honor God, we will always stand up for His truth and for His way. And we will honor Him because He is the Most High. Daniel, while he was looking at his own nation, And he was praying, and with supplications and fasting and sackcloth, he went to the Lord in this prayer. It's in, in chapter 9, beginning about verse 4. And I'm not going to read all of it. I want you to read all of it. I'm going to read part of it here. And as we read it, let us have a prayerful attitude as, as to the, the situations and the things that we know go on and in the world that we live in, and not just America, but the whole world um, is kind of at, uh, at war uh, because of the sins of idolatry, the sin that's, that so easily besets each and every individual. He says, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity, have done wickedly, 
have rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and from your judgments. Neither have we hearkened to your servants, the prophets, which spoke, to your na- uh, spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us confusion of faces, as in this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are far off through all countries to which you have driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against you. O Lord, to us belongs confusion to face to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel has transgressed, have transgressed your law, even by departing, that they might not obey your voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges, that judged us by the bringing upon us a great evil, for under the whole heaven has not, under the whole heaven has not been none as has done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet may we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore it was the Lord watched upon the evil and brought upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he does, for, he, uh, for we obeyed not his voice. And now... O Lord, our God has brought your, your people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have gotten your renown as at the day we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your righteousness, I beseech you, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our father, Jeruz- fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach in all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications and cause your face to shine upon the sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, decline your ear. Hear, open your eyes and behold our desolations, the city which is called by your name. For we do uh, present our supplications before you for, your, uh, for our righteousness be for your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do and defer not for your own sake, O my God, for your city, for your people are called by your name. Amen.